there's something about his presence, about him, that I'm not sure I can put words to to describe the experience that I have in worship. But I'm here to tell you, he's here for you. He's here for you. He's not against you. You might be struggling, but he's not against you. He's for you. He is your greatest cheerleader. He's your greatest discipliner. He is your greatest companion. He's your greatest friend. He is the one that surpasses anything. And all those, those things that you might have inside of you, the angst or the concern or the under, he is the one that answers those and he says yes. He says yes. Oh, he's so good. Mm. Hallelujah. Um, in a moment, we're going to pray for Ellie. But before that, I just want to do a couple of announcements. We have the egg hunt, uh, not the egg hunt. We have Easter Sunday. So we do not have an egg hunt on the Good Friday. What we've done is we've brought it to the Sunday. So after the service on Easter Sunday, we're going to be having a barbecue and we're going to be having um, what animals have given their life for. We're going to eat, and we're going <laughs> to and, and we're going to enjoy, and we're going to have some fellowship together. And what the ground has produced, we will also enjoy. I got to be careful, but we're going to have some fun on Easter Sunday. And what we're going to have something for the kids, but we've changed it up this year. Um, and so what I'd like to do is I'd like I would like to invite you to come. But I'd like to you to invite somebody else because what we are celebrating is we are celebrating the greatest event and the greatest moment in history. When Jesus said it is finished, he left nothing undone. And if you have a friend who maybe doesn't understand or is struggling, I'd love for you to invite them out because then I'm going to try to preach my best sermon yet. Because I believe in the power of Jesus. I believe in the power of God. And I'm convinced that he came to save those who are lost. And so I want to encourage you to invite somebody to come. And if they're a Christian, great. And if they're not, great. I envision this house being full. Amen? So that's Easter Sunday, and we have pages, a little thing that we printed out. If you could come, if you have one, we put a couple on the seats. If you had it last week, great. Um, but we ask that you register. So if you're not able to register online or that is, is hard because um, that intimidates me at times. It's like, oh boy, did I just crash the computer. If you've got any concern, we have the ability to register you now online here at the church so if you've got any questions see pastor brenda in the foyer after the service and she can register you and we're doing that for a couple reasons because of the covid environment and we're still trying to walk with common sense we're still trying to practice common sense so some of those things we want to have a record of those who are here 
but also we want to make sure that we have an idea of how many are coming so that we can uh, prepare accordingly with our food. So that's Easter Sunday, a ladies' Bible study at 7, 7 o'clock Tuesday night. It's a good one. It's a gooder. It's a gooder. Amen. Um, this, this week, um, we got a message from uh, Jared and Sharissa. Last Sunday, I, when he came in, we were talking, and he said, well, Sharissa's at the hospital. Their, their daughter, Ellie, who is five years old, had a real tight, tight hardness in her stomach, and they were playing, and, and Jared noticed it, and he thought it was a little peculiar, so they took, him to emerge, or took her to emergency last Saturday and then on Sunday again. And on Sunday, they looked at it a little closer, and they sent them to Children's Hospital. So this week, Ellie was at Children's Hospital all week. They did some MRIs and other things, and what they discovered was there was a growth on her kidney, on her left kidney, and it basically had almost encapsulated the kidney. And the only thing they felt they could do was to remove it, which is pretty traumatic for a family, for a mom and dad, for a child. Um, we were able to go see them, Pastor Daniel, Pastor Brendan, myself, on Thursday. And um, she was amazing, that little girl. You would not know there was anything. I'm so thankful that God has put life in children sometimes so much so that they don't, they just live. And they live free. Um, but on Friday, they did the surgery, and it took a few hours. Um, the report I got back was they were able to remove everything, and there was no, no complications from what they had done, so they were very pleased with how things had went. But now she's in recovery, and she's five years old. Um, they did remove the kidney as well. Um, they didn't feel they could uh, do it without removing the kidney. Um, in the week... Um, Pastor Louise felt very strongly to, to make a blanket, a prayer blanket for Ellie. So what we're going to do now is we're going to pray over that blanket. Is Alicia here at all, Brendan? Okay. You'll go get her? Okay. What, what we'd like to do is, is Pastor Louise and Alicia had communicated and had some um, uh, communication back and forth and they just thought it would be great to be able to um, have a, a blanket to, to pray over. And then we're going to give it to, uh, to Jared and Sharissa. I believe we're going to give it to you, Charlene, because you're going to be seeing them tomorrow. But we're going to exercise faith. This is a house of faith. This is a house where God can do the impossible. This is a house where God can do those things that we can't do. This is a house where God can turn a, sea, uh, turn a sea into a highway. This is a house where God can turn a grave into a garden. This is a house where God can do those things where men say it's impossible. God says, I am possible. And so we're going to exercise faith. And by the way, this happened in the Bible. Paul, in the Bible, they took some of the fabric and some of the clothes around him. They would bring it to people because of his uh, just in contact with him. 
whether it was sweat or whether it was just the fact that it was on him, and they would bring it to people, and they would get healed. People came around and touched the hem of Jesus' garment, not just the one lady. There's a rec- record of one lady, but there's other comments that make you see that other people would come and if they could just touch him. That's right, shadows. Oh, I love shadows. <laughs> I love shadows. And, and, and what happens is God can do things when we just walk in obedience to what he says. It releases his power and the supernatural on our natural, and things can happen. And I'm believing for miracles for Ellie. I'm asking God for a miracle. So what I'd like to do is if Pastor Louise and, and Alicia, if you could come up. Pastor Louise wanted to share just for a moment or two some of the thought behind it. And then I'd also like all the children. If you're living at home, eating at your mom and dad's table, you come on up, okay? I don't care if you're 12 years old, 15 years old. If you're a child in the parent's house, I'd love for you to come because we're going to pray. And I'm going to ask you as children to put your hand on this blanket. So um, parents, if you have to, parents, come on up with your kids. If if your kids are a little tentative. um, But I want the children to come and lay their hands on this. Pastor Louise. Good morning. Um, I want to give just a little bit of story for the kids um, from the Second Chronicles chapter 20, when Jehoshaphat, who was the king of Judah, had a great big army coming to fight against him, and they didn't know what to do. So they looked on the Lord and they said, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you our eyes are on you you tell us what to do and then one of the men in the congregation came up and he said you don't this is a word from the lord you don't need to fight this battle this is the lord's battle so the lord is going to take care of it and look after and so he said just be still be quiet because when you go out tomorrow you will see that the lord performed a miracle so they went out to the battle, and they went all the way down through the valley till they got out to the end of it, and there were all their enemy lying dead on the sand. Everybody, and they didn't even have to lift one finger in order for that to happen. And the thing for the adults that really impressed me in the story is it says, Judah stood with all her children and their wives and their little ones before the Lord. So that's what we're doing this morning and we're believing for. And Elisha is going to pray. Thank you. Yes, Lord. Are you helping me? Thank you. Anyone want to anoint it and blank it with oil? Yes. Okay. Here, can you hand it? <laughs> right, we've anointed it. We've anointed it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, and awesome. the, well, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we just thank you for Ellie, and we just ask you, Lord God, to just completely heal her in the name of Jesus. And we ask that you anoint this blanket with your Holy Spirit healing power, and completely just just impart your your healing right now into Ellie when she holds onto this blanket. Oh, yes, Lord. Oh, yes, Jesus. 
we just completely ask you in the name of Jesus to give her a new yes. kidney. Yep. And any, oh, yes. Lord God, and peace over her body in yes. the name of Jesus. And just fill her with your love and supernatural strength and divine healing yes. over her entire body. And bless her in the name of Jesus. God, and oh, yes, Jesus. And we just thank you for your perfect will, your perfect way. In the name of Jesus, may the Lord bless her and keep her. May your face shine upon her and be gracious unto her. May your countenance be upon her and bring her peace in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Apparently, Alicia stole my line. It's like, how am I going to close the service now? <laughs> I'll figure it out. Actually, Olivia, I'm, we're going to sing that song at the end. That's how we're going to close the service today. Children, you may be excused for Sunday school. I'm going to try to do something. I'm going to try to sit on this chair the whole time without getting up and without moving around. If you believe in miracles, you'd be going, <laughs> yeah. This is a house of faith. What I want to talk about today is believe, the word believe. There's three words in the Bible that are quite closely connected. The word faith, the word believe, and the word trust. And they all deal with having a confidence in someone greater than that situation. So in the biblical context of faith, it's confidence in God. There's instances in the Bible where people had confidence in other things. Paul, uh, P David wrote in the Psalms, some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. There is a distinguishing component to a believer's life, and that is faith. You have something that distinguishes you. You are not meant or created just to blend in. Quit trying to fit in when God has created you to be someone who has the solution and the answer. And you were created to be the head and not the tail. And, and a life of faith is a life of that distinguishes or sets you apart. It's a life where you expect things that other people don't expect. It's a life where you believe things that other people don't believe. In the last few years, it's a life that doesn't live in fear and concern. It lives in faith and strength and confidence. It's a life where it says, I'm not the one that settles it. The king in heaven is the one that rules over all, and I submit to him. A life of faith yields me to him. And we are taught 
trained and inundated with power messages and power statements throughout media. I'm not talking about the church here. I'm talking about outside the church where we're empowered. Be all that you can be. You can do this. And I believe in those messages, but what I believe that they miss is the fact that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And so we have these great ideas, these great brands, these great statements. But what we miss is the education and the training and the instruction of how Jesus can change your world. And we as believers trust in him. And so as I share this morning, what I want to do is I want to give you some strength, some confidence, so that when you look at things in your sphere and in your world, that you will see things from a different perspective because you have Jesus. I, I, I like math. Those of you who know me know I, I like math. I when people need what's this plus this plus this they kind kind of come to me and they don't know if I'm right or wrong they just ask me and because they're not prepared to do the math I do the math and we get whatever we get but uh, but I like math and so I quite often evaluate life with respect to a mathematical equation that's and so you have a plus b equals c and, in, and as growing up, I've heard of the equation Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And if you do your math, nothing can always be erased and removed from the equation. So it's Jesus equals everything. You and I don't improve Jesus. And living a life of faith is learning how to believe in him, believe him, and to walk in him. And so what I want to do today is, is I'd like to look at a couple passages out of the book of John. I, I've just so enjoyed getting to know Jesus in a greater way. I don't believe we will ever, ever understand Jesus completely. Pastor Nelson would come up to me on a regular basis and go, I just found this out. You know, I didn't notice this before. And I'm thinking, well, you probably have told me that before, but it's a new revelation. It's, a, it's like, all, and, and I've, I've experienced that. I, I thought I had an understanding of heaven. And then when Winona passed away, it's like I have a whole different understanding and appreciation for heaven. And, and I thought I understood Jesus and the way he's just walked beside me and lifted me up in this last little while. I, it's like, wow, he's good. <laughs> he is so good. And what I found when I looked through the book of John, and I'm just going to go through a couple chapters. No, I'm not going to read them all. We're just going to read portions. But what I see in the book of John is Jesus is telling people, believe in me. And the book of John is written to all. It's written to all. Some of the other gospels have more of a focused um, audience, but when you study and you look at the book of John, 
it's written to all. In fact, it says he came to his own, his own received him not, but to as many as received him, they had, he gave them the power to become the sons of God. And so what he said was, this is open. And so what I'd like to do is I just want to show you a few illustrations of how good Jesus is. And, and how he confronts their thinking and their thought process. In John 1, he calls his disciples. It's the beginning of his ministry. And at the end of the chapter, in verse 50, he's talking to the disciples that he's called. And one of them says, I'm going to tell my brother about this. So he says, hey, Nathaniel, I want you to meet Jesus, who, who they've talked about. And Nathaniel answers and says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Like, like, come on. Can anything good come out of... And then he comes, and Jesus looks at him and says, Nathaniel, a man whom there's no guile. And Nathaniel goes, whoa, where did that come from? And Jesus says, oh, you believe that, greater things are coming. And what I want you to do is I want you to see the word believe. I want to try to highlight that because what Jesus was doing was having a constant revealing of who he was. And he revealed himself to Nathanael and he said, because I saw you under the fig tree, you believe. Because Nathanael came and he says, before you even saw me, I saw you under the fig tree. And it's like blows his mind out. And Nathanael goes, wow. Jesus said, before I saw you under the fig tree, I knew you. He says, and, and now you believe me, he says, you'll see greater things. Jesus wants to take you to greater things. What you're doing now, I believe, is a precursor to what Jesus wants to bring you and lead you into as you follow and as we follow him. I'd like to, I'd like to paint a picture for you. Within these four walls, I am looking at seats that are going to be full of people. I'm asking God for every seat to be full of people who are hungry and passionate to know Jesus. Who come Sunday morning and they, and they might be hurt, they might be broken, they might be confused, they might be frustrated, they might be beating themselves up because they had a hard week, but they come and they just know that, you know what, Jesus, I need you. And when we come and we have moments of worship like we had today, God comes and he just pours his love out on them and they're touched and they go, you know what, he loves me, even though I might not be 100% right, maybe because I've stumbled or fall, but he loves me. And I'm looking forward to having people in this church with you, beside you, that are so passionate passionate with you that all we want to do is worship the king and we're going to start at 10 o'clock but the worship's going to be already playing because people are going to come in and they just want to worship right they just want worship they just want to come and we just want to worship him and I'm going to have to come in and I'm going to have to try to say, okay, now it's 1030. Now we have to, because we're just so engulfed and enthroned and so encapsulated in worshiping the king. And you and I have a part to play in that. 
because when somebody comes, you are part of the ministry that Jesus has for us, and you are maybe one of the ones that's going to smile at them and let them know that God loves them or that you're going to say something to them that releases faith in them that they go, you know what? He loves me. You know what? He's everything. It's not up to just Pastor Nelson, myself, or any of the other pastoral team. It's up to all of us to release the goodness of God. And Jesus is talking to Nathaniel, and he says, you're going to see greater things. Then we get to the next chapter, chapter 2, and he has the miracle where he turns water into wine. A physical miracle. I'm trying to imagine what that would be like because if somebody asked me to put water into a pot and then have somebody to drink it, I think it was water. Like, and he had like six pots of 20 to 30 gallons each. And his mother says, whatever he says, do it. And, and the picture I get from there and, and is, is that he was showing them that the best has not yet happened. The best is still to come. And the, and the, and the guy, the MC of the wedding, comes to him and says, is, says to the bride, and the bridegroom says, listen, usually people give their best at the beginning and then they give the cheap wine at the end, but you save the best for last. Jesus wants to take you from glory to glory. Jesus wants to take you from better to better to best. Jesus wants to move you into more. He's such a good God. When he comes and he deals with something in me, he's not dealing with me to beat me up. He's dealing with me to maybe remove something so that I can move greater. When, it, when he prunes, you know why they prune? They don't prune because they don't like the tree. They prune because it's producing so much it wants to produce more. And the pruner comes and he snips something off, not because it was bad, but it's because there's more in it that it will produce even better. Talking with Nicodemus in John chapter 3. And he says, you must be born again. And Nicodemus goes, how can that? Here's a grown man saying, how can I get back into my mom's tummy and be born? And he wasn't being silly. Like, like this confounded him. And what Jesus was doing was showing him. And then and it says, and this is where we get John 3.16 from this whole conversation. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes on him shall not perish but have eternal life. And Jesus is saying, listen, here's a revelation. I want you to believe on me, Nicodemus. And Nicodemus is saying, how can this happen? And Jesus is saying, just believe in me. I have found I make things complicated because I like math. I can make things complicated. Because sometimes I'll have a variable, an x, and sometimes I'll have an unknown in the equation, and sometimes, and it's an un, uh, and it's like Jesus just says, Jesus plus nothing equals everything. 
And when I can believe him wholeheartedly, what it does is it releases things in me from him. And I've been, I've probably preached from John in the last year more than I've preached from John ever, and I can't get out of it. I just love seeing how Jesus reveals himself and how he just shows himself to the people and those around him and says, listen, I'm the light of the world. Believe it. If you read John chapter 3, don't just read John 3.16, read John 3.15, 16, 17, and 18. Because basically he says, for God so loved the world in five different or four different ways. And one of the, 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 the words in John, actually, there's, there's a few words. It's really interesting when you take a few moments, because what I want to, I don't want to just use the word John. I want to try to give you some context the word father or God is used like 122 times in John. The next word that is used 101 times is the word believe, believed, uh, believed, believest, believeth, and believing. And those are you for the King James Version. But it's, it's like one of the most used words in the past. And, and what's interesting is, is it's, it's father and believe and he has conversations with people where he says listen how can you i i'm sent believe in the one who sent and if you believe in the one who sent you'll believe in the one who sent him and it's good news by the way it's good news because what he did was he came into their world and he showed them a better way to live and Jesus came into my world, and he showed me a better way to live. And Jesus comes into your world, and your mess, and your challenges, or your thinking, or your questions, and what he does is he shows you a better way to live. And he says, listen, I'm the bread of life. You know when he said the bread of life? He actually fed 5,000. And if you follow that conversation in John chapter 5 or 6, it's like he fed the 5,000. He talks to them about bread. They have this whole conversation, and he says, listen, I'm the bread of life. God uses those things around us to teach those things about him. The Samaritan woman at the well, he asks her a question. I love this. A lot of times God will ask you a question. Why? Because he wants to get you somewhere. We see that in the book of Genesis. Where are you? It wasn't that he, he didn't know. He knew the answer, but what he does is sometimes he asks it from us. And he asks a woman, he says, can you give me a drink of water? And then in the conversation, she says something, and he says, listen, if you knew who was talking to you, you'd ask him for water that you'll never thirst again. And I love her response. It's like, wow, how does that work? How can you drink out of there something and I'll never. And they have this ongoing conversation. And it says he, he she says to, he says, go and go and get your husband. She says, I don't have a husband. He says, that's right. You're live, you've had five husbands and the one you're with now isn't yours. And they continue the conversation. She ends up going into town and saying, listen, you've got to see this guy. Because what he did was pretty amazing. And if you read the chapter, 
he was invited to stay, and it says many believed in him. I think Jesus wants me and wants you to show people how to believe in him. Because we believe in a lot of things. We believe in the stock market. We believe in the housing market. We don't believe in gas prices, but we believe in other things. A royal official in John chapter 4, when he heard that Jesus had come, he asked Jesus to heal him. God, Jesus says, go, your son is healed. The man believed his word in John 4.50. And then it says on his way back, they finds out his son is healed. He says, what time was it? And they say, it was the seventh hour of the day. And he goes, that's when Jesus said to go because your son's healed. The moment God spoke the word, it happened. And it says his whole household believed. The world doesn't need more David. They need more Jesus. I am funny, but they need more than funny. They need Jesus. Actually. The pool of Bethsaida, or Bethesda, in John chapter 5. Jesus is walking there... I can't wait to get to heaven to watch some of the DVDs of what these things were like because he would send angels to touch the water and the first person in the water after it was stirred would get healed. The first thing that comes to my mind is when did they discover that? When did they discover that somebody passing by uh, Peter's shadow, they get healed? When did they discover that Paul's fabric would heal somebody. When did they discover touching the hem of it? Like, sometimes you've got to take a risk. But here he is, talk, and, he, and he comes across this guy who's been sick for 38 years. All he's known is what he's lived with. And Jesus asks him a question. Do you want to get better? And the guy says, listen, I'd love to, but when the water stirs, by the time I get up, somebody else beat me to it. And Jesus says, pick up your bed and walk. And he's revealing how good he is. I'm convinced that Jesus wants to reveal to David how good he is. And I'm convinced that I will never, ever get to the end of seeing how good Jesus is. Because the more I rely on him, the more I'm going to realize I need him, the more I'm going to realize how good he is, the more I'm going to rely on him, the more I'm going to need him. It's like it's an ongoing cycle of revelation of how good Jesus is. Don't put a limit on what Jesus can do for you. This guy had a limit and he says listen I've been like this for 38 years I don't care if you've been like this for 38 years I believe Jesus can heal you Betty your daughter I believe Jesus can heal her and I'm asking him to time is nothing to Jesus 
Then in John chapter 5, and it's an ongoing conversation. And, and what's really interesting is how Jesus messes with the people. He did some of these things on the, on the Sabbath. It's like, not only am I going to show you how good I am, but I'm going to mess with you because I'm going to do something that people told you wasn't allowed to be done on that particular day. Allow Jesus to mess with you. Allow the mystery of his goodness to be around you. Please, don't think you've got it all figured out. You're not as big as God. I'm not as big as God. And it, he continues in that conversation in John chapter 5 after healing the man at the pool. And he talks about things and he says, listen, if you hear my word and believe him who sent me, he has eternal life, the one that believes. And he doesn't come into judgment, but he's passed from death unto life. It's almost like John 3.16. And when you read John chapter after chapter after chapter, Jesus is coming into somebody's world and he's giving them a better way to live. He comes into the, when, when they had no food to eat, he goes to Philip, he says, hey, where are we going to buy food? Where's Safeway? And Philip says, man, how, how can we feed? And he said, he did it just to test him. Sometimes God will ask you questions just to put you in position to hear from him. And he says, Philip, what are we going to do? And, and please, I have found I probably would have been like Philip. I probably would have been like Peter. I probably would have been like those guys going, you can't walk on water. I've never seen it before. And Jesus comes and into their world where they're hungry, he feeds them. And then he says, listen, I've got something better for you. I'm the bread of life. Mary and, and Martha and their brother Lazarus dead. He comes into their world. You read it. He leaves. He, he waits two days. Have you ever asked God for something and he doesn't show up right away? And he waits two days and then he says, let's go to Mary and Martha. And he comes into their world where there's death. And he says, just believe me. And I... I am learning to believe Jesus all over again because I have found as I have put my belief and my trust in him, he proves himself time and time and time again. When I can't figure it out, when there's death, when there's hurt, when there's sadness, and he comes and he says, believe me, and all of a sudden I get this revelation that he is the resurrection and the life. And he takes their world and he shows them a better way to live. And living a life of faith is a life that is the better way to live. I want to close with a few verses and then, um, Olivia, if you could go on the piano. I'd, I'd like to sing There's Nothing Better Than You, turning 
graves into gardens. But I'd like to read, and this might be paraphrased, but I'm just going to refer to a couple verses. Psalm 20, I refer to it already. David the psalmist writes, and he says, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but I, I'm going to trust in the name of the Lord. And this morning, as I've shared with you, what I, I know we're believers. I know that. But what I'm going to ask you to do is take a step of faith that will believe God for even greater than what you've believed for so far. Believe God for more than what he's done so far because Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And in First Corinthians or 2 Corinthians 1.19 Paul is writing, and he writes to the people there at Corinth, and he says, For the Son of God, Christ Jesus, who was preached among you by us, and I'm preaching among you right now, I'm preaching Jesus Christ, was not yes and no, but was yes. And here this morning, I want to reveal to you the yes of Jesus. Freedom, yes. Mender of broken hearts, yes. The one who can turn a grave into a garden. Yes, the one who can make a way where there is no way. Yes, believe in Jesus. Believe for more than you see right now. Can you imagine a body, a group of believers, a church here of 150 seats full of people who know the power of God, who does things time and time again, who meets with us daily and shows himself real to us, that he beats addictions, that he beats habits, that he beats depression, that he beats sorrow, that he beats those things that used to get us down. And it's not because of anything I've done, but he showed me, yes, that he is greater than that and I believe in him with all my heart and I found as I believe in him he comes time and time and time again into my world and he shows me a better way to live he shows me that with him I have more than a majority. With him, I'm never alone. With him, I can walk with confidence and strength. With him, I know that there's a future and there's eternity. And it's he's come to me and he said to me many times, just believe, David. So I'm a Christian. I've grown up in church. But I have found that I have a continual revelation of the goodness of Jesus. And I make a mess, and I am a mess, and I'm hurt, and I don't know the situation or the answer. I don't have to, and I come to him, and he says, I've got it. What I also find amazing about a life of faith it's a spiritual thing, but it affects the physical person. <laughs> Don't try to separate the spiritual from the physical. It says in Hebrews 10, 39, that a life of faith 
preserves the soul. I read that, and it was like a life of faith, living a life of faith preserves my mind. It preserves my will. It preserves my emotions. It's a life of faith. It protects my mind. It maintains my will, and it steadies my emotions. A spiritual truth, faith, protects me physically. And I I just want to encourage you, keep believing. Believe God. I believe God's got more for us. He's got more for you. And may he reveal to us the beauty of who he is. Amen? He comes into our world and he offers a better way to live. Could you stand with me? I'd like to just sing that song. Thank you.